Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, Bab. Hello there. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. I'm so full after all that we've eaten this weekend. I know. A lot of carbs, wasn't it? A lot of carbs before marbs. What's that supposed to mean? Well, it's a saying, isn't it? It's like no carbs before marbs. If you're going to Marbella in Spain, uh, it's like don't eat carbs before you go because you want to get the beach body. Uh, we don't have beach body. I mean, we have beach bodies. We <laughs> are in the shape of the beach balls. Or a beached whale. Yeah, as well. And we're not going to Marbs as well. No, we're not going to Marbs. To be honest, I didn't even know Marbs was even a word. But we are going to Wakefield in a couple of weeks. So, you know, obviously I want my Wakefield beach body. Is there a beach in Wakefield? Um, There might be a sand pit or a quarry. So no. <laughs> anyway, how was your week? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, you were there. I from was. Madrid, yeah. I, uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, we live together. We're both. You made that from sound home. like a bad thing. Like you were there. Well, <laughs> of course I was there. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. But is we live together. We eat together. We work from home. We are like literally together twenty four seven. Although you were away. Um, oh no, you went away this week. It was the week before. Well, I did go to Stafford for the day with work, and while I was in Stafford, they had something called a walking market. And what's a walking market? Well, I don't really know. And I was there. It was basically... <laughs> I mean... It was like a load of food trucks around the market square uh-huh. with a stage. And there were some bands on. They had like a glam rock band on. They had like a singer-songwriter. Were there people walking? Well, you had to walk between the stalls. But there you I mean, go. But isn't that any market? Mm, yeah, any walking market. I suppose it's different to a floating market, but, you know, I mean, the river's quite small in Stafford, so but you probably you... couldn't have a, a floating market. Yeah, but you could if you wanted to. So, a walking market, there is. People walk. Well, there you are. So, if you want to know what a walking market is, don't ask me. So, it's a market. But also, <laughs> uh, last weekend, we went to, well, probably the biggest event we've been to since pre-COVID. Uh, we went to a music festival in London, didn't we? Yes, we did. It was muddy. Oh my God, it was so muddy. And the beer was extremely expensive. It was like £5.50 a can. But, you know, that's a music festival. To be honest, I didn't know that. I And I didn't need to know because realistically, you went to get beers like the first round and you got really mud all over you. So when it was my turn to go and buy a round, I just said, well, you are already muddy. So what's the point of both of us being really muddy? You go and get the beer. So actually, I didn't get beers in that festival at all. Oh, you wormed your way out of that one, didn't you, Bab? I know. I mean, we do have a shared economy. What comes from your bank account comes from my bank account. So uh, it's not like I sort of, had a free pass and <laughs> I drank for free. No, no, I appreciate that. But um, you didn't get as muddy as I did. Although I did say to you, as we were leaving the house before we got the train down to London, you had your new 
trainers on. Yeah. And I was like, mm, we're going to a music festival, Bab, are you sure you want to wear those? Are you really glad that you changed them? Yeah, I'm really glad that I changed them. I'm not that glad that I didn't put my walking boots on instead of just a crappy trainers that I had in the back of the closet. Well, I think it was wellies that we needed, really, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't own a pair of wellies. No, oh, we need to sort that out. If you're, if you're fully transitioning to be British, you know... I know you've done your citizenship test, but you also need a pair of wellies as well. Well, but I've, this year I bought walking boards. I mean, I think that was already a step. Okay. All right. All right. Well, maybe next year or in two or three years' time, we'll yeah. look at getting you some wellies. We'll ease into it. And I think what I might do is I might get you the ones that I had as, as a kid. And they've got little eyes on the front, so they look like frogs. I mean, realistically, are you just looking for an excuse to buy a pair yourself? <laughs> well, you can have mine. Mine are camouflaged. Yeah, I know. It's the weirdest thing ever. Why Why would you get camouflage wellies? Well, in case I'm in the, the jungle somewhere and I need to blend in. Blend in and not be noticed. It, look, if you are in the jungle, most likely you're lost. All right, maybe some heathland or a national park somewhere. Again, if you're there by yourself, most likely you're lost. So camouflage is the complete opposite of what you want. Of what you want. Do you have like high bees, Wellis? Uh, no. Hmm, you should. Okay. But anyway, the music festival, <laughs> I don't know how we got onto Wellis. The music festival was uh, fantastic. It was all orchestral versions of classic albums. So there was Dr. Dre, um, <laughs> Beyonce's Lemon. What are you laughing at? Your definition of classic. Well, according to the organisers, there was Dr. Dre, Kanye West, Beyonce's Lemonade, Destiny's Child was incredible. It was their greatest hits. Frank Ocean or somebody, I don't know. Frank Ocean, we, yeah. We had some burgers at that to point. Be, yeah, that's the point where we chose to go for a meal. But the highlight for me was obviously Daft Punk. Yeah, you're a big Daft Punk uh, fan. There was Prince as well, but after Daft Punk finished, we just left. I think uh, the Prince one was a bit of a damp squib because I think it became just a DJ set because one of the band was isolating or I don't know. I mean, it reminds you that we're still in a little bit of a COVID world. Also the fact that they checked that everyone was double backs. Yeah, well, you had to show a lateral flow, didn't you, to go in? Yeah. And it was that kind of thing. We were there for about 10 minutes and something in me didn't feel quite right. Like, it all felt very normal, but something wasn't, you know, felt a bit obtuse, I suppose. And then it just suddenly clicked. I haven't seen this many people in one space since before March 2020. Yeah, indeed. There was a lot of people in there and they were in very close proximity when we were on uh, inside the tent one day. But after that, it did feel genuinely really normal. After a while, we were dancing, we were singing, we were all, you know, together in one sweaty mess. And it was just exactly what we needed. Because we needed that release, really, didn't we? We needed to have that fun, that festival fun. Yeah. And it's my first festival in the UK as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. And we made some new friends. Shout out to Lou and Nat as well. And our friend Steph was there, which was just absolutely brilliant. So, you know, it was just a fantastic day. Apart from... Oh, And I'm going to have to mention it. The Golden Hour Shower. The Golden Shower. No, the Golden Hour Shower. Well, it was a golden shower. Well, not quite. Yeah, not quite. The reason why I say golden hour is because that's obviously the opportune moment when the sun's slightly setting and you take those really nice selfies and our, our new friends were taking selfies of us all and it was like we were sharing the moment. And how are we? No, you and Lou went off to the toilet. Yeah. And no, then, we went to get beers. We went to get drinks. Oh, you went to get drinks. Yeah. 
And the gentleman, well, I'm not even calling him a gentleman, the person... I mean, that's not a gentleman, Bob. ...who was sat next to us just wanged it out and had a wee on the floor. Yeah, whilst sitting. So we were all sitting in a long table, and the guy that was literally sitting next to us, without standing up anything, just sitting there on the table, just pulled out his penis... Yeah. ...and weed... We, I, I mean, I'm asking, and it was I a long it. wee as well. You know, when a horse wees and it goes on forever and yeah. ever and ever, it was kind of, and it, it was all happening in slow motion because we were just like, there was me um, and the other two women that we were with, and we were just kind of like looking underneath, and we were like, is this really happening? But the worst part was there was a family because it was a very family f- friendly festival, yeah. and there was a family, and they were just kind of like watching. It. I mean, that poor teenage lad, he's probably scarred for life now. Bah. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but it's definitely not something that you want that you want to see. The thing is, I I don't know what was happening. So we came back with the drinks. <laughs> oh yeah, and sort of we sat we sat down. We uh, we were just sort of like putting the drinks down, and suddenly there's three security guards that come to talk to the guy, and suddenly ask him to sort of get up and escort them and the woman that was with him his girlfriend date whatever well probably ex-girlfriend now yeah i know she just remained there sitting for a few minutes before she actually got up and left so i I really had no clue what was going on well people were saying to him like why did you do that and he was like oh don't make me feel more guilty than i already am well you know you got chucked out mate so you know well, and that's the point. The security guys were there to escort the guy out of the premises, and apparently they they offered the the lady the the family um, whether she wanted to press charges because, of course, he's a, he's a crime in the UK. Public urination. Well, it's public indecency, isn't it? I, I think it's still like a crime or something to wee in public. Not Is ju- it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's just about taking your willy out. I mean, we've all been there. Sometimes, you know, you you get caught short on a night out and you have to go down an alley or behind a tree or something like that. I'm not saying that I'm a saint in that sense, but I would never, ever dream of doing it in full view of the great public. Yeah, and also, there were bathrooms there. And to, and, and to be fair, there were plenty of bathrooms. You Loads. didn't have, a, you didn't have as, a, as a man, at least, you didn't have to queue to go, into, to go into the bathroom. And yes, it was muddy, but it was muddy everywhere. It's not that it was muddy just in the bathrooms area. So if you want to take something away from today's episode, it is, if you need a pee... Go to the toilet. Go to the toilet. Don't do it on the floor because it's disgusting. And then we had to spend the next half an hour, every time somebody came and sat at the table, we just had to remind them that somebody just weed there. Yeah, and and people started thinking that we just didn't want people sitting next to us. (laughs) But realistically, someone had weed there. Yeah, but then the cleaner came and, um, yeah, sorted it all out. But anyway, it added a bit of colour, I suppose, to the date. It didn't spoil it. We had a fantastic time. We got home at stupid o'clock. And we were really lucky as well, because the moment that it really chucked it raining, we were under, sitting on a table under a big parasol, so we didn't get wet. Feeling or, quite smug. Yeah. Or we were, we were inside the tent, so we didn't get by the chucks of rain. We didn't, we didn't get wet. But in a kind of weird way, I'm kind of glad that it did rain while we were there because you got the true British summer festival experience. You can't go to a UK festival and it doesn't rain. Yeah, but at the same time, festivals don't have to be muddy and awful and wet. You should know by now. How long have you been in the UK? Seven years. Exactly. 
Is it a surprise? No. The bells are ringing. (laughs) And not for Christmas Day. And not for Christmas Day. So came to our attention recently because we went to a very dear friend's wedding. Oh, it was amazing. Really nice wedding. And this was before we got um, COVID. This was a month and a half ago. Yeah. A little bit, maybe a little bit, maybe two months ago. Yeah. And sort of uh, we did the ceremony. It was still a, a small wedding. So it was about 30 people. And it was outside because it was like the first day that you could get married outside, which I didn't know that you couldn't get married outside in this country. Well, you could get married outside. I'd been to an outside wedding before, but the actual symbolic part of the ceremony where you actually get married had to be done in a structure that had three sides or or was covered on three sides so it had to have a roof and two sides so basically I went to an amazing wedding in Oxfordshire in the countryside in this beautiful venue but they essentially got married in a bush as you can imagine that's something that I didn't know about um sort of weddings in the UK and also so they had the ceremony it was a lovely ceremony and then they went just behind us literally behind us to a table to sign I don't know the registrar whatever is it the lecture whatever, say, whatever it is that they sign and I was just looking and uh, you know it was a small wedding and so I was smiling the bride the bride who said a really dear friend of us and the groom as well just uh, waving and, and something and and suddenly I got told off by you yeah well it's that's normally in a wedding ceremony that bit is done in private and you take two witnesses with you so I was like don't be watching it this is meant to be the private bit I mean, if it were supposed to be private, they wouldn't do it out in the open. But also, why is it private? What's the private thing about it? They literally just had a wedding ceremony. I don't know. It's something It's something about the officialness of it, I guess. So it got us talking, as we usually do, about our cultural differences. And what are the differences between an Argentinian wedding and a British wedding? Oh, what are the differences? Well, there are actually lots of differences. Yeah. There's a lot of things in common as well, let's be honest. But there are a lot of different things, starting even with the proposal. So in British culture, when we talk about the wedding proposal, the man will traditionally ask the woman's father for permission before okay. he even asks her to marry him now okay. obviously this is something that is kind of fading away somewhat obviously it you know it's kind of in a gay marriage it's like well who asks who or do we both ask at the same time or whatever so again that's something that's probably not as prevalent as it was you know when our parents were getting married mm-hmm. but it does still happen and then the proposal itself will usually be with the man getting down on one knee with a ring and asking the woman to marry him. Apart from on a leap year, and on the... What's the last day in February on a leap year? The 29th. Yeah, that's when a woman can get down on one knee and ask a man. Traditionally. Okay, so is this a surprise for the bride, for the woman? Um, It can be, but I think most of the time she probably has an inkling. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's an inkling. Yeah, it's an inkling. It's like, 
are they going to do it now? Are they going to do it now? Oh, we're going away for the weekend. Are they going to do it now? Oh, we're going to a really nice restaurant. Are they going to do it now? But it's, you know, it's not something that is like, I'm going to ask you on this date. But it is somebody asking somebody. Okay, so how can I say this without sounding condescending? Because I, you, you know I tend to do that. Bab, this is Bareback Podcast. Say it how it is. So the, I think that the main difference is that in Argentina, two adults who are in a loving relationship and that actually communicate with each other talk about the idea of what they want in life, including getting married... And they both, as a couple, decide to get married. Well, that sounds very lovely and democratic and and, and modern and very cosmopolitan. But where's the romance in that? I mean, the romance is in the fact that you talk to your partner. Yeah, but you can talk to your partner all the time. There's no excitement there. There's no kind of moment. It's kind of like, oh, should we get married? Oh, all right then. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to get married? Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, a proposal sounds like really, really romantic. But at the same time, if you're being proposed to and you didn't want to be proposed to, or I don't know, if you're being proposed to and you have been literally sitting on your ass waiting for two years to get proposed to, it's just awful. Communicate as a couple. With me, like, I, I, I make it quite clear that I would like to get married. So it's like, when we talk about communicating, it's like, you know. But I just think it takes the, it just takes the, that kind of thrill of the moment away from it and just makes it something quite transactional. When actually, you know, fair enough, most people these days, they're living with their partner, they might even have children, they've got a car, they've got a mortgage, you know, they've probably got a joint bank account. And the wedding is just kind of like the next step, really. It's not like it was in in the olden days when people wouldn't even live together before they got married. But I just think there's something kind of special about marking it in that way rather than just kind of, oh, yeah, let's do it. Again, don't go wrong. I understand the gesture and I understand the excitement, the romance of the gesture. I, I don't know. To some extent, I, I, keep, I, I keep kind of cringe a little bit just because it's, it's about marriage. It's about something that you both evidently want why wouldn't you communicate as a partner and make decisions as a couple? We make decisions as a couple. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think people who are in in relationships, they can still tell each other that they want to get married. But it's just that moment, that anticipation, that build-up of tension. When is it going to happen? That Both of them know that it's going to happen. It's just It just takes the other person to ask. And I think that release is... I don't know, there's something quite sexy about it. Okay, FYI, I don't like surprises. <laughs> well, I know that. I know that. <laughs> uh, I'm just putting it out there. Because I, I, that, that is a risk. I mean, it's like... I, I'm, I, and, and you know me, I can be a, a, a blunt person. If you ever decide to do like a surprise pro- proposal, something that we haven't talked about, something that we haven't agreed, my response is not going to be thrill, it's not going to be excitement, it's going to be, are you fucking kidding me? Why don't you like surprises? Don't know, I just don't. There are people who do and people who don't. I like to know what's going on. Yeah, you can still like to know what's going on, but occasionally the, the odd surprise is... It just spices things up a little bit. Well, I've studied six. I studied um, six years of engineering. That kind of takes that out of you. It kind of gives you process and risk assessment, and everything is planned, and everything is. I mean, I'm getting into conversations that I've had with my therapist, by the way. <laughs> I mean, not that 
and re and that I had with my therapist like a couple of weeks ago. Not all, all conversations as well. It's part of it's part of who I am. I like process. I do things. I and before I do things, anything in life, I risk assess and I look at the options, analyze the options, and plan for things. So surprises are not good. Don't get me wrong. I love a process, and that's why I love trains because you know, they fit on two tracks. You know where those tracks are going to go. There's only so many places that they can go. It's not like a car where they can just drive wherever they want. But at the same time, I do like that kind of spur of the moment, that spontaneity. And I think an odd surprise here and there, you know, ooh, what's that? Okay, so let's go to the train uh, reference. My idea of of surprise, of what I think of surprises, is what would you think if the train you're on just suddenly derails? Well, that would be quite scary. That's my concept of surprise, or my idea, or my or, or why I don't like surprises. Okay, well, I'm not going to give you a free therapy session here. Okay. Not that I'm qualified either, FYI. So we've done the proposal, engagement now. How long is an engagement in Argentina? To be fair, I think that in that case, it's relatively similar. It's probably a year or two, depending on how long it takes uh, for you to plan the wedding, really. And realistically, to get a a venue in Argentina, they are booked a year or two in advance. So it normally engagement takes a, a, a few years. And are weddings as expensive as they are here? In Argentina, probably the equivalent, but yes, they are very expensive things. They they are very very uh, expensive things. You can you can have cheaper weddings, of course. You can have smaller weddings, but uh, they are a lot of money. Mm. The thing is, you need to remember as well that since we don't have that proposal, we talk about it, we make a decision, and, and people make a decision about getting married, thinking about what they want in life, and you're already talking about, well, what would we do? What It's not like, okay, the proposal, and then it kickstarts the, the process, like the engagement, because you're talking about it, you're talking about uh, getting married before you make the decision, you already start talking about it, about what will you do. So the engagement period, per se... It's kind of bef- even before you s- you actually decide to get married. Engagement parties are they a thing in Argentina? Uh, they used to be many years ago. They aren't a- a- anymore, just because again it takes money to organise a party, so they're not really a thing anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's hit and miss here. I've been to some engagement parties. I feel like it's more an, a thing in in the United States than it is here. Um, the ones that I've been to in the UK have kind of been a bit more informal, sort of a barbecue around somebody's house or, or a party at somebody's house, it's um, just or like, just an excuse to get people together. And uh, I was going to say exactly that. It's just an excuse to get your friends together, have a drink, have a barbecue or something like that, isn't it? Okay, so we've done the engagement. What about a ceremony? So thinking of, I, I assume, you know, with Argentina being a Catholic country, there's a choice between a religious or a civil ceremony no there isn't a choice oh. um so there isn't but, but there, there is a choice but there isn't a choice okay so the reason <laughs> is yeah so you can have a religious ceremony but it's completely fake okay it has no, it's not fake in the eyes of god blah 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 yeah but a religious ceremony has zero legal validity so how do you get that legal validity so you get married under a, a basically the ceremony is a peace judge. 
A peace judge? A judge, yeah. What, like in a courtroom? You can do it in a courtroom. A lot of people do it in the venue where they have the party. Okay. As well, if you don't have a a church wedding. But it has to be, yeah, at some point you have to to sign the registrar. And that's done in front of a judge. It could be like in the um, uh, in the courthouse, or the would be like the council office, or it can be done in the venue. What in the council? Yeah. What in just like a, a random office? Well, they have a room for weddings. What that fits how many people? Well, uh, normally they they vary, but they can fit up to fifty people. So basically, what you're saying is. You go to the council house, you might want to pay your tax bill while you're there, or you might want to lodge a complaint against a councillor, or, you know, you're not happy with your bin service, that kind of thing. And then, oh, in this room here, we're going to get married. Yeah, pretty much. But you need to remember that um, sort of getting married, there's a lot of people who get married in the council, and that's their their, their thing. But a lot of people still do get married uh, in a religious ceremony. So... I don't know how it works here in this country, but in order to get married by church, first of all, you have to do a course. So you have to go like every Saturday for like um, two months or something like that to sit and listen to a priest telling you about the keys to having a successful marriage, like they know. Um, Like chastity and all that kind of stuff. um, Well, not chastity particularly, but about serving God and, uh, you know, uh, being faithful to each other and all of those things. Then you would have your ceremony and your your church ceremony would normally be between 7 and 8 or 8 at night. So that's the time that a wedding starts. In the church? Yeah. Couldn't do that here, they'd all be closed. (laughs) Mm, Well, yeah, but you need to remember that an Argentinian wedding will normally go from like 7... Eight at night until five, six in the morning. What? Yeah, those are the normal times for a wedding. You now have day weddings. They're becoming a thing just because venues don't have enough availability. So they rent it out for the afternoon as well. Oh, so they have two sessions. They might do. Uh, But then otherwise, you just get married at that time. I'd need a disco nap before I went. Well, you can because you can have a nap and then get up and go to church. Mm. It differs as well on whether you want a just a ceremony on in the church or whether you want a mass ceremony. So the normal ceremony would take about 20-25 minutes and you have the priest talking about marriage, blah, blah, blah. Do you take? Do you take? They don't do the any one of checks. I think that just, we'll, we're a Latin country. We're dramatic to begin with. If you gave that option... It would be chaos in a, in every wedding. <laughs> or you can have a mass wedding, which is basically is a whole mass, and they kind of sort of throw chunks into it, and by the end of mass, you're married. And so that takes about an hour. I went to, with an ex, I went to an, a wedding in Italy. It was actually his ex-girlfriend. Awkward. Weird. And that was a full-on mass. I mean, I got wet. The, the priest, like, threw some uh, holy water. Yeah, so holy water. Obviously, it was good for me. Um, but it was, I mean, it was an intense wedding. So let's recap a little bit. So before we get into the details of what happens at each stage of a wedding, let's go through the logistics of it. Let's go through the a general the general plan of a wedding. So in an Argentinian wedding, normally uh, between probably around four or five, the bride with the father of the bride and maybe some of the bridesmaids will go around the city with the photographer and take some of the bride photographs. Then you'll have the uh, church ceremony between 7 and 8. 
after the church wedding, the bride and groom go to have some photos taken in certain parts of the city. You know, there's certain places that are typical for for wedding photos. Yeah, we tend not to do that here, but it's very, very popular in other countries, isn't it? And then you do that whilst people are heading from the church to the venue. So you get to the venue and you will get to the venue around probably half nine, ten. So you'll have, again, like a reception. Then you have the meal and you have some dancing in between some of the courses of the meal. What? So you have like a course and then you go dancing. So you normally have like um, like the reception. Then you have like, you sit for the starters, you sit for the main course. And normally you have like a dancing before the uh, dessert. It's just to make room for dessert. I know, but like, don't people throw up? Like they're eating all this heavy food and then they're like, oh yeah, let's do the dance. And then they're like, Bleh. Well, but let's get to food later because it's not heavy food. It's, it's, it's food for a wedding. And then, of course, you have more dancing and dancing will go on probably until midnight, two, three in the morning. Then around, it depends on the wedding, normally around midnight or between midnight and two in the morning, you'll have like your after party meal. And you'll have guests that come to the whole wedding, and then you have guests that come for to what we call the toast. So normally they arrive, uh, they arrive around midnight. Yeah, I mean we do that here. It's like, are you day do or night do? If you're day do, you're there the whole time. If you're night do, you usually come around seven p.m. Exactly. So here people will arrive around midnight, and they'll be ser- they'll be served like a glass of uh, champagne. You you have a toast for the bride and groom, and then the party continues. And normally you get kicked out around half five or six. So just a toast, no speeches. No, there's no speeches in an Argentinian wedding because in a British wedding, the speeches are the thing that a lot of people look forward to. So what's the logistic of a British wedding then? Well, it, it depends, really. I mean, again, it's all different types. You've got, obviously, the a lot of people will choose to have a religious ceremony. Very, very similar, although it is, I think, if you're married in Church of England, it's a, it's legally binding. If you're from another denomination or, indeed, another religion, I think you have to register it with a, a registry office beforehand. But a lot of people now pr- prefer civil ceremonies. Again, not that much difference in terms of, you know, you're still devoting your life to another person just not within the eyes of God Um, a lot of people will go to the registry office which you know I know I was taking the mic before about when you were saying in the council house but essentially that's our version of that you know it's a but it's a purpose-built building where Mm -hmm. people will and it's literally like a conveyor belt of weddings you know the doors close it's you know it's almost like a ghost train you know when the doors open and then you go into the next section so you kind of wait outside you go into the room and it's all very nice and very very romantic and things like that but as soon as you go out you know and you throw the confetti the doors close and the next group are coming in presumably because so many people want to get married so it's pretty much the same as happens in argentina that you were just clocking me for yes but you don't go and do it at you know the borough council offices where you pay council tax on a monday I mean, you can get married and renew your driver's license all in the same go. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So after that, you will go to the uh, the venue, the reception, uh, we call it. You'll have your meal. Then the speeches, which is like probably one of the most important thing in a British wedding. Everybody looks forward to the speeches. The father of the bride will make a speech. The best man and the groom. And then um, there's various other bits and pieces that will happen, but usually you kind of leave the room while they turn it over into a dance floor 
or you'll go into another room where there's music and dancing. But it'll all be wrapped up by 11, midnight at the latest. You might have some stragglers who then go to the hotel lobby or something like that for a, for an after party. But it's, um, yeah, I would but- say it's a much a much earlier affair but then it starts yeah. a lot earlier in the day it will That's start thing. midday one o'clock that it's pretty much the same amount of time it's just that it's uh, at a different time so and um, what about food what do you eat in a british wedding well it really depends um but i think I, I think there's kind of a standard that you will have your three course meal they call it a wedding breakfast i'm not really sure why it's called a breakfast but it's usually a three-course meal, so you'll have a choice of starter, you know, and there'll be a vegetarian or a vegan option, that kind of thing. Then a main course, then a dessert. It's kind of like your bog-standard hotel conference kind of food, really. And then usually, as we said, some people will come in the evening, the, the night-do people, and usually you'll have a beige buffet in the evening, you know, crisps, sandwiches, volivants, that kind of thing, all the good stuff. But it, it really depends. I mean, my brother, he had a barbecue, but it wasn't a barbecue where you queued outside. It was brought to you. It was like a plated barbecue. Um, I've been to an afternoon tea wedding and then okay. they had a hog roast in the evening. That was amazing. Oh, that I mean, that amazing. wedding, they had a silent disco as well. It was beautiful wedding in a pavilion in a park. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and then I've been to one wedding where instead of a cake, you know, that kind of fruit cake, mm-hmm. because one of the traditions in a British wedding is that the top, layer is a fruit cake okay and you freeze it and then i think you have it on, on your, your anniversary, anniversary so or when the firstborn we don't we don't so comes. we don't do a fruit cake but you save part of the wedding cake in the freezer and you kind of you, you kind of defrost like a slice <laughs> on each one of your anniversaries I don't know what happens when you run out. You you have to divorce. I I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But. Yeah. I mean, not for me. I just want a tray baker. Caramel shortcake could do me fine. But the wedding I went to, they had um, tiered pork pies, which is just amazing. Oh, and I've known people pie. who've done donut walls as well with like donuts on rings. That's really nice. Yeah. See, Argentinian weddings, of course, they vary as well. But is for me, it's the beginning at the end of the meal that I'm actually looking forward to. <laughs> is the reception because I like like kind of pays and normally if you have whether you have an inside or outside wedding you will have like a place that as part of the canapes you have like a chef uh, like doing like um, kidneys or sweetbreads in white wine and they give it in a bread oh that's delicate amazing so I kind of engulf on those canapes canapes but then the meal of course, it varies the same here, but for yes and yes and yes, our interpretation of a posh meal is literally a, a a chicken breast and then some sort of fancy potato. So instead of having like roasted potatoes, you will have like um, you know how you call it when you when it's like we call it miloja de papa. How do you call it? Like a dauphin dauphino? Dauphinoise, yeah. It's like a fancy potatoes, and of course you start again. You start at your main meal. They're kind of like. Eh, I know it's the same here. I remember for years, I when it was that period when all my friends were kind of getting married at the same time. Every wedding I went to, it was a blade of beef. Exactly. I've never eaten a blade of beef at any other time in my life apart from at a wedding. And realistically, only posh people can get married in Argentina having like a full barbecue. They are quite expensive uh, for wedding. And then, of course, when you have what you would have here, a beige buffet, a lot of people have, again, like canapes, again, that different type of canapes, pizza, and... 
normally you have like the waiters going out with trays and you just pick it up whilst you dance while you're having in the, wow. in the middle of a party. I love that. Like a little mid-dance floor pit stop. Yeah, exactly. So I still worry about people being sick though. Yeah, they don't. I mean, people are sick, but that's because they drink a lot. Which takes me to the next topic, which is going to be probably for me the most controversial one drinks in a wedding well you know i mean you can imagine what it's like here in the uk it's you know you'll probably you'll get a bit of fizz you know for the toasting and that kind of thing probably prosecco you know if you want to flash the cash champagne if you're on a budget carver might get some red and white wine bit of rosé on the table during the meal but yeah apart from that there will be a bar on site and you'll just buy your drinks from the bar yeah, and that's the part that when I moved to the UK, I, th- I thought, what the actual F? You go to a wedding and you have to take your wallet. You have to pay for drinks in a wedding. Oh, yeah. Weddings are really expensive because not only do you have to buy your drinks at the wedding, you know, you have to buy a present as well. But, you know, it's part and parcel of, of, of the kind of, the, you know, the whole shebang of having a wedding. You want to give a present, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But you do have to kind of budget yourself. You've got to buy a new outfit and, and, and all that kind of stuff. A hotel, you've got to get there, travel. Weddings are very, very expensive, no matter who you are, any kind of guest. Let me blow your mind. Weddings in Argentina, always free flow. Oh, my God. That gives me chills, actually. I would love a free-flow wedding. Now, it's worth saying, it's not free-flowing of free-flow of everything. First of all, in Argentinian weddings, you don't have a bar, so you don't have the options to, to buy anything. Normally, you have free-flow of soft drinks, of course. You have free-flow of beer, and a lot of weddings have free-flow of wine as well. So whatever you, what you do is when, when you get into the wedding you slip a tenner to the waiter and you know you're going to be treated right you know you always get normally champagne you get like a glass of champagne or you get a glass on reception and then you probably get a, a glass or a bottle or a couple of bottles of champagne for the table no, can i just clarify yeah are we talking about champagne champagne because i know when oh, I we don't to... do prosecco it's champagne no 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 because i know when we went to argentina like Cider is served in champagne bottles. Yeah, so, so it's going to sound awful, but for years and years and years in Argentina, cider was like the champagne of the poor. It was like the cheaper version of champagne, and it was uh, and it was sold, and it's still sold as a celebratory drink. It's something that you use that you uh, pour to toast. Oh, we had loads at Christmas when we were there. Yeah. Of course, but in weddings, it, 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 you you would be in a chubby wedding if it were cider. Okay, you would you would have champagne. Okay, but normally you get again like a glass of champagne on arrival, and then you probably have either a couple of bottles of champagne for the table or um, a, another glass of champagne for the toast. There's a lot of weddings nowadays that is kind of like you as bride and groom, you can bring your own booze. And the venue will supply the soft drinks for the the mixers, mm-hmm. and they can make. So, for example, if you want apérol spritz, you can bring your own champagne, you can bring your own apérol, and they will provide the soda water. Or you can you can buy rum, and they will pour, they will have the coke, or they yeah. they will, all of the mixers they have. So you have the choice, but the bride and groom decide on that. Yeah, and they and they can bring your own, or the bar can supply. I mean, don't get me wrong, I have been to free-flow weddings before, and they, they do happen here, but it it's certainly not the norm. I think they should be. 
If you want to find, uh, if you want people to throw up in the dance floor, don't do it because of the meal. Do it because of the alcohol. I mean, I have to say, one of the best weddings I've been to, and it was the first wedding that we went to as a couple, was our friend's wedding, who got married at the same place where we had our first date. Which was the Coffin Museum. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a museum in Birmingham where they make, or where they made, the tin coffin plates that would well, go on not, the front of yeah. coffins. It was a metalworks. A metalworks, yeah. Yes, yeah. But it was brilliant. So the wedding favours, and a wedding favour is like the little treats that you leave on the table for your guests, which again is a very... British thing, I think. Not an Argentinian thing. No, no. I call wedding favours. And we got to make our own stamp, didn't we? Yeah. With, with their names on to remind us from in the metalwork factory. That did have a free flow bar. Yeah. And they had street food vans at the back and they had a band that played all different kinds of different different songs from throughout the ages in all different kind of ways and different genres. Yeah. It was an incredible, incredible day. And to be honest, the wedding that we went to a couple of months back, they had a free flow of beer. So yes. they had free flow of some drinks as well. So again, when you don't have to worry about your bank account, you have a better time. What about kind of music at the wedding? Like dancing, that kind of thing? It varies. But the most important thing and the most important song is the waltz. The waltz? Yeah. Is this like an Austrian-themed wedding or something, you know, from the 19th century? But you always waltz in a wedding. And so, basically, it's like the first dance, Uh the bride and groom's first dance, traditionally, is a waltz. And you have sort of the whole dance floor is completely empty, and they call on the bride and groom for the waltz, and the bride and groom waltz, and then the father of the bride and the mother of the groom come, and the father of the bride waltzes with um, with his daughter, with the groom, with the bride, and the mother of the groom dances with her son, the groom. Okay. Or basically, just if you if you are not in a heteronormative wedding, just one of the parents come and uh, and dance with the their children, then the other ones, and then they mix. So it basically starts multiplying, and it's literally every single person in the venue will have like a, a 10 15 second waltz with the bride or the groom or the groom or the groom or, or whoever what even with like your creepy uncle your friends everyone you you literally have people you basically i'm not I, fyi i'm not saying i've got a creepy uncle i haven't i'm just saying figuratively yeah yeah i know <laughs> but it's literally you're standing there at the edge of the um at the edge of the dance floor like waiting for your moment and of course it's all the, you don't have you don't have a number you just have at some point you just have to go but of course sometimes two people go at the same time or so you kind of have to read the room and see how it's going but the waltz is uh, the waltz is one of the most important traditions and again it multiplies so it starts two people then the four then the eight then the 16 is exponential and suddenly you have the whole venue waltz in in the in the dance floor. It does kind of remind me of one of the... There's two really cringy things I find about British weddings. The first one is is photographs. Like photographs. Because they go on for hours and hours and hours. It's like the bride and groom have a photo together. Then it's like the bride and groom and the groom's parents, the bride and groom and the bride's parents. And then again, it kind of multiplies and multiplies. So there's all these configurations that could 
you know, mathematically be possible of who can be in a photo together. And they're all done there. You know, at my wedding, I just want to say, I just want reportage. It's like, get the photos as we're going around. I'll do a couple of post photos, but it's just excruciating. And you're in like this tight suit, you know, and you're hot and sweaty and you just want to have a beer. I mean, it sounds it sounds awful, but at the same time, there are weddings where literally the photographer is there with either the bride or the groom, and literally they take a photo of of them waltzing with every single person in oh the my venue. God. It goes you, on forever. But the other thing, and and what reminded me of it with the waltzing, is there's this really cringeworthy bit when everybody gets to the reception venue and the bride and groom. I can't remember where it is in the ceremony because there's there's a bit when you get to the reception where the bride and groom walk in and everyone clap and things like that. But then there's this weird part in the wedding where the bride and groom and everybody who has a role at the wedding line up. And everybody else in the wedding has to like walk along and shake their hand. A bit like backstage at the Royal Variety performance when the Queen comes to visit or something like that. And they all stand in a long line. So you've got the bride and the groom, the father of the bride, the mother of the bride, the father of the groom, the mother of the groom. And everybody like from down to the page boys to the master of ceremonies, all that kind of stuff. And you have to walk along and shake everybody's hand. And most of these people, you you probably don't... Like, you'll know the main people, but then you're, like, shaking hands with people saying, oh, doesn't she look pretty? And it's, like, it's really awkward. And, and I just want that bit to be over as quickly as possible. There's a thing with tradition, isn't it? It, it? it gets a little bit gringy at times. But there are some traditions with music that they don't. So... Of course, in an Argentinian wedding, there's a lot of hours of music. So you will have a little bit of everything. You will have the bit of, like, national music, like Argentinian music, like rock like rock music. Um, you will have your pop, uh, your pop music. Then you normally always have your cringe pop section as well, where, you know, they put over these 80s anthem, all, all of the things that that are wedding songs that you wouldn't listen to outside of a wedding which funny enough some of the most famous ones are about cheating there's this there's this <laughs> song that is very an Argentine, from an Argentinian um, band which is really 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 cringy called The Pirates and it's basically about the guy wanting to uh, go out and basically cheat on his wife and how and, uh, and if you see the music video for it at the end of the video he's like the wife coming out of a the the guy walking there and suddenly from a love hotel a car comes out with a guy and his wife so the boy they were both cheating on each other ah plot twist but that's a very famous wedding song I think the most offensive British wedding song is probably the Macarena <laughs> yeah no us we don't care <laughs> but then you finish like when everything explodes traditionally it would have been the El Carnaval Carioca. And Carnaval Carioca traditionally was with Brazilian music. So uh-huh. all of these really sort of party, uh, dancing music. And this is where all like tons and tons of tons of like party accessories come out. So all of your whistles and your hats and your... Wow. Um, sort of all, all of these things. A lot of them do, for example, as well, like very, very cheap and things like flip-flops for the girls to be able for them to be able to lose their high heel shoes. Ah, okay. As part of the, it's not like a party favor, but it, it comes out at the at this stage, where um, all of these props come out and it basically just like it, it all explodes. Of course, as time went uh, went on, now is not necessarily Brazilian music, but Argentinian cumbia, which is 
kind of like a chubby music or it's always been like a like, like a chubby music that it has its moment of being like chubby chic okay but you're that everyone dance to and that's the thing about uh, wedding music in argentina it has to be cringe it has to be the things that you wouldn't listen anywhere else you listen to this song and you know it's a wedding song that's really interesting i i, I love all that kind of traditions of weddings as well because there's so many i mean in argentina does the bride traditionally wear a white dress yes and you know that's a british tradition is it yeah so historically brides would always wear the best clothes that they had and Mm -hmm. that could have even been black but it was actually queen victoria when she married prince albert in an ivory white gown in 1840 that it became the fashionable wedding color that it is today so Queen Victoria, a bit of a trendsetter. To be honest, in Argentina, I think that the white was always like a sign of purity. That is, you know, I mean, white is traditionally seen as that colour, isn't it? And I suppose that's why she was encouraged to wear it. But she really set the trend. The other thing that I love about the bride's dress is she always has to wear something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue. And it basically comes from a rhyme that says basically that and a sixpence in a shoe. Okay, so no, that's not a thing in Argentinian one. Why something blue? Is it just because of it? Is it a rhyme or is there a point to it? Yeah, yeah. So the old item provides protection for the baby that baby has yet to I'm, come. Are we pregnant? Well, it's during not the wedding? come yet. It's not. I mean, traditionally, people wouldn't have a baby until they got married. The new item is optimism for the future. Okay. The item borrowed, and I think traditionally it had to come from another married couple but to these days it doesn't always it's just basically good luck and the blue color is a sign of purity and fidelity and then the sixpence which i don't think many people do is a british silver coin sounds uncomfortable an old one and it's a symbol of prosperity or acts as a ward against evil done by frustrated suitors Oh, oh, look at that. And let's talk about speeches, because that's one of the things of the British traditions that Argentinian weddings definitely don't have. We have ours, we have our traditions, and I'll tell you a little bit uh, about them, but let's talk about speeches. So what what is the big deal about speeches that everyone looks forward to? I think it's just something that that kind of underpins a wedding and acts as that gateway between the kind of formal side of the day, you know, and even the the, the, the food and, 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 and the, the early part of the reception is still very formal. And you're kind of transitioning to this kind of basically massive party slash piss up in the evening. So what what are the speeches about? What do they say? Well, you will have the father of the bride who will who I think speaks first, and his is a very loving ode to the daughter, and is very kind of sweet. Very you know can be quite sickly. Um, he will maybe tell a few silly stories about the daughter, um, and again I'm talking about heteronormative weddings here. Um, would talk about, you know, his daughter growing up and all that kind of stuff and tell a few funny stories. Then the groom will do a speech to his wife and to everybody. And again, it's a bit sickly sweet. It's, you know, I love this woman, you know, maybe how we met, all that kind of stuff. Again, peppering in a few jokes. But what everybody's there for is the best man's speech. Now, the best man is obviously the kind of... um... So we use the word like godfather and godmother. 
Uh, and it's normally the same people that act as a witness in the civil ceremony. Yeah. Who are like the main uh, accompanying parties of the bride and the groom. Yeah. And it's yeah. usually the groom's best friend or brother. I was best yeah. man to my brother, for example. But essentially, it's a roast. It's where you roast the groom. Okay. And you let rip and you talk about all the embarrassing stories the people and the people that he's dated in the past, what happened on the stag do, because of course you have the stag do for the mm-hmm. men and the hen do. I mean, we've not talked about that. And that's that's a whole other podcast. Oh, that's a whole different episode of the podcast. What happens on that? I mean, you know, it used to be like a night out before the wedding and now it's basically like a week's holiday in Las Vegas. I mean, I, yeah. I had the best stag do with my brother. We they have evolved. To, we went to Germany and just, you know drank our way through the beer halls of Munich. It was fantastic. But yeah, that's uh, that's another story for another time. And and it's just, you know, if you get a good best man speech, it's absolutely hilarious. And it just gets everybody riled up and ready to carry on drinking and, and have the best night ever and really carry those celebrations on. And it, it's so iconic that, you know, the best man speech, and it can make or break a wedding. I've been to weddings where the speeches have been so droll and so boring that, you know, it's kind of like someone put the Spice Girls on now because I need, you know, I need to be rescued. It's a lot of pressure for a best man, isn't it? It is a lot of pressure. And I think that's why people really think carefully about who their best man is. And actually now some people will have two or three best men. They'll have one that will kind of organize the stag do, one that will do the logistics on the day, you know, make sure that everyone get, you know, the groom's party gets to the wedding on time. And then you'll have... You know, you'll bring out your your comedy big guns for the speech. See, I would be an awful best man. I'm, my sense of humour can be very misconstrued as offensive. I'm lazy, so in terms of planning a whole stack to, I, I can't be bothered. Uh, any of my friends who are single, I am not your first choice for best man. Have you ever been asked to be a best man? No. Well, there you are. Exactly. Other traditions that I love about, and, I, and I'm really interested to see if these traditions have made it into Argentina or vice versa, giving away the bride. So when the um, the father of the bride walks his daughter down the aisle and sort of gives him away, does that happen in Argentina? In a religious ceremony, yeah. And basically, it dates back to the Middle Ages, and it's when daughters were considered the father's property. I mean, it's yeah. not a particular tradition that I particularly like. Wedding rings, did you know they came from ancient Egypt? No, I didn't know. Yeah. Do you throw rice? Yes, although lately um, there's a little bit of a backlash against that because apparently pigeons eat it and it's not good for them. It's not good for birds. Yeah. But traditionally, when the couple comes out of the church, they get like thrown rice at them. Yeah, because it makes the stomachs of pigeons explode, I think. think Yeah, something like that. But that's an ancient Rome tradition, actually. Um, and it was traditionally wheat or oats that was thrown, and it was thought to bring them fertility and wealth. But of course, as we've said, most people use confetti nowadays because yeah, it's, and it's also, not as heavy as well. I think rice, you know, when you throw that rice, it's quite heavy. And can you imagine throwing um, wheat at a uh, gluten intolerant bride or groom? Oh my god, I never even thought about that. Get the EpiPens out. Anaphylactic shock, here we come, before you've even got to the reception. Exactly. Bouquet toss, do you do that in Argentina? Oh, so that's probably the similar to the tradition of the speeches. It's part of the wedding. So normally you'll have like a a big screen where you have a photo montage Mm -hmm. of the bride and groom. Sometimes with with a couple of funny photos, but mostly it's (laughs) kind of sickly. 
And then you have... With music. I bet it's to music, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Like a violin No, no, it's, it's a song that probably... Uh, it's normally a surprise. It's normally... Everything I do, I do it for you. I mean, how tacky are you? Well, that's just what I imagine the soundtrack to the PowerPoint yeah. presentation would be. So, yeah, that PowerPoint is not prepared by the bride and groom. Oh, okay. So, it's like a surprise. So, it's prepared by the wedding party, the best man, or the, um, okay. or the bridesmaids, or something. normally the bridesmaids, to be, to be fair. And it's there. But, and then after that, you'll have the bride throwing the bouquet to the single ladies to see which one is the all next the one. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Exactly. And then the groom will throw to the single men an empty bottle of whiskey. Okay. That's dangerous. Well, it's an empty box. It doesn't matter if it's empty. Well, the option is just throwing the whole freaking bottle of whiskey. So what's more dangerous, throwing the empty box? And then when you're dancing between your courses, you're going to be like dancing on the glass. Yeah. Walking on broken glass. And that's why they don't throw the bottle of whiskey. They just just, uh, throw the uh, empty box. Oh, the box. Yeah, the box. Can you imagine throwing a a (laughs) bottle of whiskey? Well, I don't know. Are you insane? Traditions are traditions, bab. So, and basically the one that catches is just gets a bottle of whiskey. It's something to give... Uh, oh, uh, like to, a raffle. Uh, it's something to give to I the like guys. I like that. I like that. It's like of an interaction the in the women, wedding. The women have their moment. The men have their moment as well. Some weddings is really tacky nowadays. It's not really that well going to do like taking a garter from... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. From the bride's leg. Well tacky. Uh, but now it's not that common. It's in it's in a little uh, as a little bit uh, sort of objectifying. Yeah, yeah, of the woman. If we get married, can we have a raffle? Moving on. <laughs> so traditionally, the bouquet toss. Apparently, in the fifteenth century, it was um, people would try and tear off bits of the bride's dress, her flowers, or even her hair. Because it was seen as a sign of good luck. So that's how her it... Her hair? Yeah, her hair. So that's how it evolved into being the bouquet. Because it was seen as a, you know, I'll throw that and you can, you know, run for it. I mean, balding wife. Mm. Awful. <laughs> that's why they all wore the wigs back then, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Cutting the cake. Is that a thing? Yeah, they cut the cake together and normally like... It's just a good photo opportunity, oh, isn't it? Oh, it's a lovely photo opportunity. <laughs> Get it on the gram. Well, in the 1800s in the UK, in Great Britain, actually people would leave pies underneath the bride's pillow, which yeah. I think is a great tradition and I'd be quite happily... To bring that back. Yeah, because you like a midnight snack. <laughs> yeah, so we get into yeah, bed on our wedding pie. night and I'm like, oh, meat and potato pie. Nom, yeah, nom, nom, kind of, I was going to say that. Let's not make it like a blueberry or something or something awful like that. Let's make it a pork pie. Yeah, oh yeah, that would be lovely. For Melton Mowbray. Yeah, I know, a Melton Mowbray pie. Oh, that would mm, be great. That would be nice. Um, we talked obviously about the first dance and the other one that I thought about was carrying the bride over the threshold so the groom mm. will carry the bride over there. Yeah, but that's yeah. normally when they go back to the room. Yes. At least in Argentina yeah, 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 weddings. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, in a lot of our weddings, so for example, you know our Argentinian friends. Yeah. Um, they didn't do that because the groom ended up in A and E. What? Yeah, they thought he was having like a heart attack or something like that. He had like a, a bad reaction to something, and he was like super, super ill. Probably the wheat from the. Probably uh, the wheat. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> was, maybe, maybe he was. <laughs> Gluten intolerant. But apparently the reason why 
the I didn't know that. It's amazing um, that they were carrying that they would carry the bride over the threshold is because it makes the bride look less enthusiastic about the wedding night and was therefore regarded as a guarantee of her chastity. Ah, uh, that's so weird. Yeah. So, it's the two of us, two bears, because this is bareback. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about weddings, but we have been talking a whole lot about heteronormative weddings, like bride and groom. What about gay weddings? Well, Are we going to talk about gay weddings? Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about our friend's wedding who got married in the, the coffin works. That, I, I, I think the thing is, is about gay weddings is that they're relatively in their infancy. And it's kind of the beauty of a gay wedding is that you've got this wealth of tradition and history to embrace, but you can also make your own history. And that's the thing. I think that a lot of the traditions are kind of, or, or there's no tradition really, isn't it? Because all of the traditions are normally are around the bride and groom. So you can adapt some of them into a groom and groom or bride and bride. But realistically, it's just you there aren't, as you say, sort of traditional gay wedding things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, most LGBTQ people that I know who've got married, for example, they spent the night together before the wedding. So they didn't yeah. go to separate, you know, venues. Uh, like one was at home, one was in a hotel. They walked down the aisle together, yeah. which I think is really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, to share that moment together yeah. is just incredible. But then, you know, uh, I've been to a lesbian wedding where they both wore beautiful white dresses. I mean, the suits that the guys were wearing at the, the wedding that we went to are stunning. So, you know, it, it's that whole mix and match. And that's what I love about a gay wedding is that you can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you can you can make it a young. And people are still making that. I mean, you know, for a lot of countries, you can't even still get married, which, you know, is awful. So it's kind of, we're, we're all making that history together. Indeed. So have you gone to a lot of gay weddings? I've been to a few, yeah. Yeah. I've been to a few. What about you? Well, I've been to my gay wedding. Okay. I mean, I, I, this is probably news for a lot of our listeners, but you are dating a divorced... A divorcee. Uh, I, I, you are dating Well, you were still married when we got together. I know. I was still technically married. We weren't together with my ex when we when we met. FYI. Uh, yeah, just FYI. We were just sort of still legally married. Uh, so, yeah, I had a wedding. I had a gay wedding. But really, do we want to talk about my wedding? Um, bye! (laughs) Wow, well we've really explored the Argentina versus British types of wedding. We've obviously not talked about my dream wedding. Clearly, that's of utmost importance. Uh, <laughs> I need, uh, uh, let me just sum it up. A very expensive one. You always say this, and every time I talk about us getting married, you're always like, it's going to cost millions. It's gonna How cost do you millions. want to arrive to the venue? I want to arrive to the venue in a three-wheeler car. So a Robin Reliant three-wheeled car. What do you want to have as food? I'd like a fish and chip van. Okay. Um, what else? A barbecue. What else? Um, tray bakes instead of a cake. Okay. You also wanted a donut wall. Yeah, that's a new thing, though. I, 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 and I'm the donut wall is completely negotiable. 
at some point you also talked about like Asian food, like sushi or things like that. What? I never said that. You're making that up. That's sure? not, yeah, that's not true. That's true. I, I said that I wanted to train at the wedding. I want one of those little sit-on trains oh, that you goes around the garden yeah. or the venue wherever we are, and that's where we have the wedding photos. Um, and I'd like a band as well to play all the songs that we like. And also, there'll be no requests. So when the DJ plays, it will literally be the playlist that we set. There'll be no requests. None of this. What song would you like us to play at your wedding? Tough shit. A very expensive wedding. So, what's your dream wedding going to look like, dear listener? How are you? How do you want your big day to be? Give me some tips. Give me some ideas. We are at Bareback Pod on Twitter. We are at Bareback Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. Just search for us. We're Bareback. Just search. Or you can write us an email: barebackpodcast at gmail.com. And basically, get in touch, give me some inspiration, and I'll put all those ideas down. And then maybe we can have a conversation. Okay, bye. And maybe we can talk. I mean, I mean seriously, when are we going to get married? Bye. I mean, let, we can just talk about it now. It's fine. Okay, bye. All, all, all our listeners want to know. They want to know, when are we going to get married? Bye. Oh, for Pete's sake. Bye. bye.